Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Guelo Ramblings World Tour podcast. My name is Stephen Palmer and you might know me from being the co-host of the Asian Cinema Film Club podcast with Mr Elwood Jones or maybe you know my writing for EastonKicks.com or my Asian Cinema blog GuelloRamblings.wordpress.com which of course is where this podcast gets its name. Now if you want to know more about who I am and how we got here I suggest you go back and listen to the first episode and then come back when you're all up to speed. Or just stay and wing it. Either way, you are most welcome. Last episode we had a trip to Spain and we discovered the films of Pedro Almodovar. And this time we're going to Iran. Sort of. Today's films are both in the Farsi language of the former Persia but they're a little more hmm, international than that. The cinema of Iran is an industry that is surprisingly fertile, both pre- and post-revolution. In modern times, Persian cinemas attracted a really positive critical attention, and the films of this region are often shown at international film festivals, and even get wider recognition. Asghar Fahadi's A Separation in 2011 and The Salesman in 2016 both won Best Foreign Language Film Oscars and the former even garnered a nomination for Best Original Screenplay. This episode though, I want to talk about a couple of films that are certainly Iranian in terms of culture and both performed in the Farsi language, but have slightly more international roots. First up, we'll have a look at Anna Lily Amir Poor's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Now, Amir Poor is actually British by birth and raised in the USA, so this film has a very international heritage. But it's set in Iran, albeit in a fictional bad city, and the sparse dialogue is in Farsi. I'm claiming this one as truly world cinema. The film tells a story of a young, handsome Iranian man called Arash, played by Arash Marandi, who lives with his heroin-addicted father, Hossein. The film opens with the pair being bothered by Saeed, a drug dealer pimp, who takes the car Arash has worked for six years to own in return for his father's debt. Saeed comes across a strange young woman in a chador, played by Sheila Vand, one night. She seduces Saeed and takes him back to his apartment. While there... She grows fangs and bites off his finger and then goes for his neck, killing him. She leaves the apartment as a rash enters, who's come to offer some stolen earrings in return for his car. He finds Sahid dead and takes back his car keys, along with a suitcase of drugs and cash. This will be his new career. We spend some time with that beautiful vampire girl, watching her spend time listening to music alone in her apartment, skateboarding, or bothering pedestrians at night until she comes across a rash, lost and confused after taking ecstasy at a party. The film then goes on to tell the story of their burgeoning romance, along with various tales of the other inhabitants of Bad City. If I was to try and convince you of one reason why you should watch this film, it will be for the gorgeous black and white cinematography of Lyle Vincent. Almost every scene is like a painting. No, 
more like the drawings of graphic novelist Frank Miller, whose Sin City must have been an inspiration. Enjoy also the soundtrack, a mix of American new wave pop rock, a more modern Arab pop. It adds so much to the cultural mashup on the screen. Because although Bad City is ostensibly in Iran, and everyone is speaking Farsi, it's clearly set at the same time in Middle America, a run-down, grimy, industrial Middle America, full of drugs and prostitution. Our hero, clearly styled on James Dean, is a fan of 1950s American aesthetic, with his quiff, his American car and his love of hamburgers. But he also has old-school values. He's a good Muslim boy. He has respect for women, not a desire to subjugate. A girl walks home alone at night is described as a feminist Iranian vampire western. But these are elements that only exist on the surface. Clearly the film has something to say about the place of woman in modern day Islamic Iran. The girl is clearly interested in punishing those who abuse women and she acts as a boogeyman to set the younger generation straight. But this point isn't hammered home, it isn't really discussed between the characters, it's just there for us to see. It certainly isn't a horror film, you'll see worse done in soap operas. There's no sex to be seen, although there are a couple of incredibly erotic moments. It isn't a western, other than some of the aesthetics and music evoking such films. At its core, it's a love story. And whilst maybe it suffers from those common issues of a first-time feature-length director, where they throw all their tricks at the screen, maybe it's a touch too long, maybe the narrative isn't explored enough because there's too much symbolism and visual appeal going on, it's still a wonderful movie and certainly one of the best-looking films I'll talk about on this podcast. For our second film, let me propose a scenario for you. You are a married woman with a young daughter. Your earlier political activism has led to the revolution you craved, but the post-revolutionary world has actually repressed your freedom. You are unable to continue your studies in medicine because of this background, and you fear you're letting your recently passed away mother down. You retain your progressive stance behind closed doors, enjoying the forbidden luxury of a video cassette player, and you exercise regularly with the curtains closed to Jane Fonda's workout. Your country is also at war with its neighbour, and the city you live in is under attack from bombs and missiles. Your daughter has started being difficult. You struggle to connect with her quite as your husband does. Your husband is called away, drafted into the army to fight in the war against your geographical neighbour. Your daughter is upset because she lost her doll, the doll your oh-so-perfect husband bought to help her against the bad dreams she suffers. And that little mute boy who moved in recently? Your daughter says he's been talking about an evil spirit called a djinn, and she thinks the djinn has her doll. Your name 
is Shida, and you live in post-revolutionary Tehran in the late 1980s, smack bang in the middle of the Iran-Iraq war. And as the bombs rain down, the fellow inhabitants of your apartment block move away to the country, or if they're really lucky, abroad. Soon it is only you and your daughter left. Oh, one last thing. That gin? It might just be real. So that's the setup for Under the Shadow, a 2016 film by Iranian director Bebek Anvari. Anvari is now resident of the UK, which explains why this film got British funding and is somehow considered a British movie, even becoming Britain's nomination as a foreign language film at the Oscars. When it's all its creative talent, the language it uses and the scenario it draws are firmly that of Iran, although it was filmed in Jordan. It's an amazingly effective little horror film that borrows significantly from films like Hideo Nakata's Dark Water in terms of style and its themes of a failing maternity. But it is also so much more. The film also confronts the highly restrictive world of the Iranian implementation of Sharia law. And yet it's even more than that. The film also shows the decaying mental state of Shadir, played by Sajez Rashidi, which bring in influences such as Polanski's repulsion. And with all that psychological horror going on, the film still brings a couple of authentic scares, classic horror frights brought to life by a spirit wrapped in a shador. The effects are somewhat minimalistic, but the day-to-day -day horror of just living in this world mean that those fleeting supernatural elements are genuinely scary, probably because of their near mundanity. Under the Shadow isn't a long film, clocking in at a mite over 80 minutes. The real scare action doesn't even come into play until the final act. But it packs so much into the running time, examines so many themes pretty much throughout the experiences of a single character. I haven't even talked about the fantastic sound design, the all-round good acting, and the fact that Arash Mirandi has a small role in it to connect the two films in this episode in yet another way. And even if you don't really like horror movies, or at least ghost stories, give this one a try. It does the two things a really unsettling horror movie should do. It provides scares, but it also makes you think. And it also makes you think of very real horrors that don't need to go bump in the night. <laughs> So I know this cinematic trip to Iran was a little somewhat contrived, but maybe I think that the connections both have to the West might make those who feel films in Farsi and a total alien culture would be too hard to understand. Maybe now you'll feel just a little more confident in approaching these films. Now I still haven't gotten around to all the setting up of social media yet. If you want to contact the show, give feedback, or maybe tell me about your favourite Iranian films, or suggest something for a future episode, or you know, maybe you want to come and join me, feel free to contact me at thingsfallapart at hotmail.co.uk for now. Next episode? Well, we're going on a little trip to Italy, 
where we're going to talk about the saddest comedy ever and have a look at a very well-known horror movie that got a much belated Hollywood remake recently. Until next time, this is Stephen signing off from Iran. Salam, merci, khodafes.